You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Gators Breakdown, the Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. Gators Breakdown, episode 138, is ready to go. Orange and Blue debut coming up this Saturday, and we are ready to talk about the culmination of spring practice under Dan Mullen. I'm your host, David Waters of Gators Breakdown. You can find me on Twitter at Gator Dave underscore SEC. And joining me this on, on this episode of Gators Breakdown is Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at Will Miles SCC and his articles at readandreaction.com. Will, how's it going? Hey, man, just excited for some real football so we don't have to decipher what's happened at a closed scrimmage or behind the scenes or any of that stuff. It'll all be out there in the open and everybody will get to see the progress that's been made and, uh, and it'll be fun to see. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm genuinely, and I kind of tweeted uh, this yesterday. I, I'm genuinely excited for this spring game uh, as a fan. You know, there's a lot of excitement uh, going around the program right now with Dan Mullen, and I can genuinely say I, I've never been this pumped for a spring game, uh, or, or if I have, you know, I don't remember it from back the the urban days. But uh, you know, it doesn't mean much on the field. But but like many Gator fans, you know, just ready to have a good time with with, with other Gator fans and fellow Gator fans uh, watching some football on Saturday. Uh, with a with a brand a new brand of football under Dan Mullen. Yeah, well, all I know is that our Twitter followers, a couple of them, suggested that you and Bill be the ones who call the plays, <laughs> and uh, so clearly they have a higher opinion of us than we do. But uh, but I, I, you know, I, I think we need to get that petition going, Dave. I, I want to see you call a play. I, I want to see whether you can call third call play action on third and long. I want I want to see it, man. Uh, okay, I could call third. Uh, yeah, I could call play action on third and long and run on second and 13 every time. Hey, you know, it's, it's, uh, you learn from what you see. So, you know, you, you've been taught for the last three years that that's, uh, that that's the way offensive football is played. And thank goodness we won't see that on Saturday. No, no, it, it will be fun and we'll get into this. It, it will be fun to draft the players. I think that would be a lot of fun. So, oh man, like when he said that, my eyes lit up because I mean, I've been saying for a month I want to see ones on ones, but again, I, I think the draft is even better. It's if I was the guy, if I was the guy picking the draft, I'd just pick all quarterbacks <laughs> <It's like> little, <laughs> but that might be a problem because then tony'd have to play yeah, on the yeah. other side and i'd have something to, i'd have something to yell about so uh, so if you, you had know, the first it, if you had the first pick would tony be your first pick at quarterback oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so you know whatever it's irrational at this point like i've pinned myself into a corner and yeah. uh you know I, I have my beliefs but at this point it's amusing if for no other reason just because we know he's not going to move there and and everybody's made it clear but uh you know on the bright side i can't be wrong so, yeah. so as long as he's at a wide receiver, I can't be wrong saying he should be the quarterback. So, no, nah, I, I think it's going to be good to see, um, you know, the progress that's been made. We certainly um, – there was a lot of hullabaloo about the first scrimmage and sort of the accuracy of the quarterbacks and, and you know, whether Trash was pulling even with Franks. And certainly then we've heard some more about Franks since then. And, and then you – you turn in that spring game and then it's another data point. And that's really what we're looking for at this point is progress. I mean, you said that all last year, progress, progress, progress. And to be honest, anything that looks like a reasonable offense that can get a snap off with 12 seconds or, <laughs> or more on the shot clock is probably, uh, is probably what, what would make everybody happy. Yeah. You know, it's the, the spring game and not to sound down on it, you know, like you said, it's one data point, but 
it really is more about these 14 practices that have led up to this point. You know, the, the, the installation of the offense and learning the offense, the players learning the coaches and the coaches learning the players. It's really more about those 14 practices more so than what we're going to see for two hours on Saturday. Yeah, I think so. I, I think the other thing is, is that it's a lot about the fans mm-hmm. and the environment. And, you know, Mullen has really been pushing getting the swamp filled and, and you've been helping with that effort. And, uh, you know, if you can fill it up and you can make it a place where recruits go, wow, this is how it is at the spring game. Like, I can't imagine when it's, you know, when it's LSU at night or Florida State at night or something like that. Well, all of a sudden you've really put your best foot forward from a recruiting perspective. And that's something that Mullen needs because he's going to have to start bringing in elite recruits. We've talked about that a lot. I think that's one of the big things from the spring game. And then the other thing is, is it's the first time for people who don't follow Florida regularly to see the offense, right? So those guys who are going to consider going to Florida in the next two or three years, <clears throat> Those are the guys who are going to be watching. They're going to see it on SEC Network. They're going to see some of the replays, and they'll know, oh, okay, this offense does fit me, or, oh, okay, there is progress being made. And so I think it's a big deal to sort of put your brand out there and say, hey, we're back. Yeah, and you know, it is also and what you were saying. Derek Hunter, uh, the big-time uh, defensive lineman, four-star that Florida is really uh, heavy in on, he he came out and said he's he's going to be at the spring game. He wants to see the fans. He wants to see the fans show up. He wants to see the swap atmosphere. He wants to see uh, you know, the Gator Chomp. He wants to see if, uh, or you know probably won't get ninety thousand like for for a normal big time game. Uh, but you know of course Dan Mullins uh, the hashtag pack the swamp that's been thrown out there and we've been throwing it out there for a while. And look, recruits are taking notice of what Dan Mullins trying to do with the the fans and uh, there are recruits out there like you said who want to see it and they've even come out and said so in interviews that that's what they want to see. So but Dan Mullen mentioned it, you know, his first stop when he did his little tour here in Jacksonville, his little speaking tour, he mentioned that the fans have a part and it really does start with the spring game when fans, it's a free admission. You can come down, bring your neighbor, bring your friends, and you can really help, uh, you know, make it as close to a big time game atmosphere as a lot of these guys have yet to see. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it, it it is a, I mean, it's a fun time for anybody. Just whenever whenever it's game day, it's fun to be around campus and all that sort of stuff. Um, certainly, you'll have the people coming in and their silk screen Winnebagos and, <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> there's free food all over campus, which is always great. But uh, you know, there's just a different there's a different electricity when there's a game going on. I think you'll feel some of that electricity for the spring game. You don't normally feel that for the spring game. I mean, I remember when I was there, it was sort of. Um, now, granted, I was there during the Zook era, but <clears throat> the spring game was not something that you sat there. I mean, you look forward to sort of see what was going on, but you didn't. It was it wasn't the same electricity. I think that's really what Mullen's aiming for is he wants it to feel like a game day. He wants it to feel like it's a real big deal. And you know, whether the swamp is three quarters of the way full or completely full or whatever the case is, um, it's more important that it feels electric, that it feels like there's some tension, that it feels like a big deal. Because at the end of the day, that's what he's going to try to sell the recruits on is that when you come here, you're going to get the full support of the fans. And and yes, the fan base can be hard on you when you're when you're having a rough time, but man, will they support you when you're doing well? And and you know, you can become one of those sort of deified figures like Tim Tebow or Danny Werfel if you come here and help turn the program around. And so, um, you know, I think that electricity is sort of what he's looking for. And that's what I hope people who are on campus on Saturday feel. All right. And we'll get on to some on the field talk. But remember, first, you can find Gators Breakdown on newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. There you will find all the Gators Breakdown episodes as well as articles from News for Jack sports team. That's newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Also, you can listen on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube if you want the video version. Follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. And when using those services, please rate and review the show. Let Gator Nation know what they're getting with Gator Break- Gators Breakdown. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll announce it now. We will have a show Saturday night to recap the spring game. Uh, I'll be on vacation next week, so we'll go ahead and, and get our thoughts out on the spring game uh, soon uh, after uh, after I get back from Gainesville. And you got some uh, things going on as well Saturday, but you'll get to watch uh, from up there in Philly. Uh, so you know, I'll get home, we'll get some uh, notes together, and we'll do a show Saturday night. Hey man, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, real football. So uh, you know, especially I know McElwain's first year, there were like four offensive linemen. So. <laughs> 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 so that is not the problem this year. So I'm looking forward to it and it'll be fun to sort of break down what went on. And, and again, I, I think it's not everything, but it's, it's a significant data point when you go out there in front of 
60, 70, 80,000 people. And, uh, and we'll see who can deliver. Yep. Uh, Will, so you did mention, you know, Mullen said there would be a draft for the game. Uh, by yet to be named uh, uh, coaches that will be uh, drafting uh, these players. But I wonder, you know, does it play into the continuity that we have seen uh, on the field, the way these guys are, are going to be drafted? And I know back in the urban days, and Thomas Goldcamp put this out on Twitter the other day, I think the the offensive lines were drafted as a unit. So that, that will help in that worry uh, that I have with some continuity. So hopefully that's the same case. You know, you're not mixing and matching uh, offensive linemen. But, uh, Will, I know you were wanting to see ones versus ones. and and see some competitive, but I think this is a nice way of, uh, of equaling the teams out still. Yeah, I'm okay with this. What, what I wasn't okay with was the number one offense going against the number two defense and then the number and then the number one defense going against the number two offense because in that capacity you sort of you know tied one hand behind the quarterbacks or behind the defense's back or or the quarterback's back depending upon which which way it's going and you don't prove anything I mean if you're the number one offense you ought to beat the number two defense quite honestly you ought to beat the number one defense from time to time now certainly there's been such a disparity between the offenses and the defenses at Florida over the last couple of years that you know you can maybe understand why they did it but at the same time you don't get better unless you're playing against people who are really really good so um you know yeah dividing it up will be great i think there might be a few mismatches around the field i mean you know if you've got a second string offensive lineman against cc jefferson that might be an issue but at the same time if there's an injury that second string offensive lineman's mm-hmm. gonna have to come in and play against guys who are as good as cc jefferson so i i think it's a great thing I, I think anytime you can ramp up the competition and you can imagine that when there's a draft there'll probably be a reward and i don't know what it will be but i'm guessing there would be like you know somebody gets to skip a set of runs or something after, <laughs> after the game. Um, you know, or somebody gets to sleep in after the game if they win. I think there will be some competition with that. I think there will probably just be competition from the standpoint of you got drafted or you didn't get drafted by the opposition and sort of showing them what they missed out on. So, you you know, Mullen's entire thing since he came here has been compete, compete, compete. And and that's really the key is, is the team going to compete or is he going to say that and then, you know, the jobs will be handed to people. And I think this is just one more indication that you're going to have to earn your spot. You're going to have to earn your playing time and that you're going to have to earn it all the way throughout the season through fall camp, through spring camp. So. All right. So for uh, kind of position stuff, Will, you know, we won't go position by position here. You've got a lot to talk about. And, you know, we've, we've talked pretty much all throughout spring and not much has changed from what we know. Uh, but, you know, it's pretty been it's pretty much been the same story for both of the scrimmages so far. And that's that the offense doesn't have it early in the scrimmages. And then once the, the halftime or some sort of break happens in these scrimmages, uh, the offense comes out in the second half and starts consistently putting drives together. Uh, this this last scrimmage was very run heavy in the, in the first half of it. And then it was Felipe Franks who looked better in this scrimmage with, with three passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, so the two things I want to see based off of those uh, observations that we've had so far is for the offense to come out firing from the get-go. Uh, and I'd rather it be because of the quarterback tossing the ball all around, but I'll be happy if it's the running backs as well because – that also means this offensive line may be asserting themselves a little bit. We've heard their struggles as well. We've known the struggles for past seasons. We've heard about it for the first three, four weeks of spring of you know this defensive line being so dominant. So I want to see that this offense come out firing pretty fast. I'd rather it be quarterback passing, but as I said, I, with the stable of running backs Florida has, I think it would just be nice for this offensive line for a confidence thing to come out and you know, put it on the opposing defensive line, come out firing out the ball. We've talked time and time again of coming out in games of this offensive line looking lethargic, not looking ready. We heard it from the first scrimmage that uh, Dan Muller had to get onto him because of that. You know, and it could just been because the defensive line was just purely better. But maybe Dan Muller did see some things that they weren't doing right. They weren't trying uh, the way they were supposed to be trying uh, and getting something going. So I, I think there's the two things I want. I, I definitely want to see. A fast start on offense, and then the offensive line asserting themselves. If if the quarterback's not, if the quarterback isn't the key cog uh, early on. No, those those are things that I think everybody will be watching for. For me, it's more. I would say false starts are what I'm going to be looking for, and it's sort of throughout the game. That you know, one of the things that Florida has really struggled with over the last three years is discipline, especially on the offensive line. A lot of false starts. And I'm, I'm curious to see whether Mullen has cleaned that up. Now, in the past at Mississippi State, he had kept that pretty clean. 
under the McIlwain regime, it was not clean at all. And those sorts of things are drive killers. I mean, you know, you've got a first and 10, all of a sudden it's a first and 15. You throw a bubble screen out that gains two yards, you're back in that second and 13 situation where, where Nussmeier's running the ball. So um, that's one of the things I'm going to look for. The other thing I want to see is a couple of big plays. I want to see a wide receiver take the ball to the house on a bubble screen. I want to see a deep throw or at least a few deep shots. I want to see him throw the ball over the middle on on long developing passes and really then I guess that sort of coordinates with wanting to see the quarterback get to more than his first read so go to the first read go to the second read go to the third read and and just uncork it and uh, you know those are sort of the types of things I'm going to be looking for um, I don't expect it to be perfect I expect there to be sacks where you're like oh that he should have gotten rid of the ball <laughs> I expect to see the wheels moving a little bit you know the game moving a little bit faster than the wheels maybe in some capacity um but from an offensive side, that's really what I'm looking for is false starts. On the defensive side, I, I'm actually looking to see what the contain will be with the defensive <laughs> line and the linebackers. I mean, you know, the linebackers last year had a lot of trouble covering mm-hmm. passes out of the backfield. You figure that Mullen is going to try to get the ball to the outside, try to get his playmakers on linebackers, and that means he's going to try to get it to the running backs. And so is he going to have two running back sets and are the linebackers going to be able to cover it? We saw it a couple of weeks ago with the scrimmage where Darius Lemons was able to get off to the, get to the outside and nobody could catch him because there were some bad angles taken and some other things. There was a really weird stunt on that play <laughs> where it sort of went all the way around. Stunt or big confusion? One of the two. Yeah, well, I wasn't quite sure what that was. I was pretty sure that wasn't that wasn't a play design that Grantham come up with. But, but yeah, so those are the types of things I'm looking for is can they hit the big plays when they're there? And because that's really where the points come from. It doesn't come from converting in the red zone on third and two. I mean, that's important, but it's not as important as hitting the 80 yard pass when the guy's wide open down the field. So those are the kinds of things we'll be looking for that in the false starts. Yeah, it does seem when we've talked about like Antonius Clayton and, and him being uh, uh, turning himself around and being a, a main point uh, of emphasis this spring, uh, Dan Mullen did kind of single him out and some other guys as well as, they do something really good, they'll turn around and do something really bad. And that's kind of you know the consistency that they're looking for. But Antonius Clayton can be in the backfield. It can be wreaking havoc one play, and then the next play he's out of position. And as you're talking about, you know, contain. Can these guys play smart as well? Can they control the aggression? You know, uh, you know, be, play smart within the aggression of, of the defense. And that's where I think a lot of those big plays and the scrimmages that we have come from, uh, that came that that's what we heard. That's where they came from. It was defense being too aggressive leading to some type of big play, whether it be a big run or a, or a big pass. Uh, but I think both scrimmages had some rain in them. So it's supposed to be pretty good weather for the spring game. So, you know, I'm sure the weather played a, a good part uh, in that as well. So I am looking for, as you kind of said, with the defensive line and the rush ins, can they continue to jump the dominance we've been hearing about, or there'll be some inconsistency with the crowd noise and you know, that can help the defensive line. Uh, but, you know, on the big stage itself, uh, ready to see, you know, can Clayton, Slayton, Palat, Zuniga, you know, CC and Jeremiah Moon, the guys we've been hearing so much, uh, dominate and wreak havoc and use their, using their athleticism, can they continue to, to keep doing that? And, you know, in a way, I, I kind of hope we don't see it. And it means uh, a way, uh, like a you know, kind of a point for the offensive line. Uh, I'm, I'm really big on this offensive line coming up. I think it's going to be so much predicated uh, what they do, what the season what what the season can hold is so predicated on what those guys can do. I think. I think offense would clearly clearly be better just because of game plan and uh, some semblance of of knowing what to do on offense. But I really think you know to take that next step. It's really in the offensive line. So I'd like to see just in the spring game, you know, have another point for them. But uh, there was also some mention uh, of Felipe Frank scrambling uh, in the scrimmage uh, as well. There was some mention of that. And I just want to see how much also we get to see quarterback design runs. Uh, it's going to be a staple of the offense. Uh, but this is also a time to work on things you need to work on. So maybe we don't see it as much in the spring game for two reasons, working on the passing game uh, and keeping the quarterbacks healthy. There's probably no live hitting going on. Uh, to these quarterbacks that we know of. Uh, but I still think you can limit the chances, even if they do uh, get hit in this type of format. But you know, there was some mention of uh, Frank's knowing when to to bring the ball down and run, whether first and 10, and, and whether to launch a deep pass or taking what the defense gives him or having a check down. Uh, but the, I, I still just don't know. With the staple of the, the the quarterback run game being being so heavy in this offense, yeah, you know, do we get to see a lot of it uh, in the spring game? 
Yeah, well, Mullen sort of addressed that in his press conference yesterday. I mean, he, or a couple of days ago, he talked about um, he talked about that with Emory Jones. One of the one of the real things is that it's relatively easy to pick up the quarterback running game. That it's it's pretty easy reads. That that it's pretty easy to pick up. That you've been doing it your whole life anyway. So, so you're so you're pretty much able to do that sort of stuff. So he said, really, what they've been focused on is teaching Emory Jones the things that are difficult. And so when people have looked and said, oh, he doesn't, he's not necessarily flashing. Um, the ability that you might have seen in high school, well, some of that is related to the fact that they're asking him to do things that are outside of his comfort zone to try to grow him during the spring. And I think the same thing can be said for Franks, and I think the same thing can be said for Trask and for Allen and, and for all those guys. I think, you know, the spring is the time you put them in the situations where they're uncomfortable so that they understand during the offseason what they need to work on so that when fall camp comes around, hopefully they've worked on those things, and, and all of a sudden when they're put in that situation, they can excel. So... You know, I'm not I'm not real concerned about the quarterback running game. I mean, they're not going to be live, I wouldn't imagine. And right. if they're not live, then the running game is really, oh, we have nine, they have eight. <laughs> We're going to run for two yards around the corner. Like again, I mean, it's 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 important because you'll be able to convert third downs like that in the regular season. I, I don't know that it makes a. I kind of want to see them try to get the first down with throwing the ball mm-hmm. on third and two during the spring game because those that also is the thing you're going to have to do. And uh, you know, Bill mentioned it last week that. In the spring, a lot of times what you're doing is you're trying to see how one person reacts against a certain look or a certain alignment, or you're trying to point out that, hey, you did this wrong yesterday. <laughs> We're going to call it again. <laughs> did you do the same thing? So, um, you know, that's one of the things we can't really get is we don't know the progression from where someone was two weeks ago to where they're going to be on April 14th. And that's that that to me says a lot because, you know, if if one quarterback has progressed significantly over the last two weeks and one quarterback has progressed sort of eh, just a little bit over the last two weeks, well, you know, the first one may be behind the behind the second one, but he's eventually going to pass him just because of the trajectory. So um I'm not necessarily looking for a lot from the quarterback run game. I think Mullins made it pretty clear that he's challenging these guys to do the things they don't do well and improve on those things, um, specifically the running quarterbacks. And, we, and we've heard, Will, these wide receivers, Van Jefferson, Trayvon Grimes, are, have been probably the two best receivers, and we still don't even know if they'll be on the team in the fall. So this may, this may be the last chance we get to see those guys. Um, you know, speaking of, of those two, we have no idea what, what's going to happen with the NCAA and Van Jefferson or, or Trayvon Grounds right now. Uh, so what I want to see with the draft is if somebody, as soon as somebody drafts Van Jefferson, then the other team drafts, his, drafts Christopher Henderson. And then, you know, keep, keep going. I want to see the best receivers versus the best corners. And hopefully the quarterbacks can take advantage and, and, and give you know, throw some balls down the field. And then we get to see these, these matchups because these receivers are supposed to be pretty good. We know the cornerbacks are pretty good. These young, these young quarterbacks, when you Wilson, Henderson, Chelsea Gardner in the nickel, uh, you know, maybe Tony's in the slot and you got Gardner versus Tony, you know, it would be nice if somehow maybe a couple of those matchups are the best receivers versus the best cornerbacks. Yeah, I mean, I think you'll see that. I think you'll also probably see them switch it up at some point so that they get the things that they want to see um, over the course of the game. Um, but at, at the end of the day, like, you know, regardless of who's on who, you have to execute because at some point there's going to be an injury. At some point you have to step up. And I, and I really think the difference between uh, between the high-level starter and sort of maybe the backup is, is really relatively minimal for the most part once you get to this level. Now, sometimes you got somebody who's really, really special and, and they're – head and shoulders above above somebody else. But I don't necessarily know that there's a huge difference in terms of skill level when you're talking about 5, 10, 15 plays. It's over the course of an entire season that you start to see that stuff. And, you know, the other thing is, is that people like Freddie Swain and, and Josh Hammond, they need to be they need to be able to beat um, Wilson and Henderson and, and Gardner Johnson as well. Like they they need to have that sort of competition. Certainly they've had that competition all spring long. I'm sure that they've had the best, the best on the best at some point during the spring. And this again, it's more of a showcase here and it's more about competition. I think that's you know the thing that the thing that I think worried people about the first scrimmage with Franks is that it was you'd been hearing he's been playing well, he's ahead, he's ahead, he's ahead. And then the first scrimmage comes and you hear what? Six of twenty-two. And you go, Oh, froze when the lights came on. And whether that's fair or not doesn't matter. That's the perception, is that when the lights came on, 
all of a sudden the performance level went down. And so when you look at the spring game, it's the same thing. The lights are on. Now who who steps up when those lights are on? And, uh, you know, we don't know. what We know Van Jefferson can because he did it at Ole Miss, but we don't know about Trayvon Grimes. And certainly, you know, Hammond and Swain maybe, maybe haven't filled out their uh, – or haven't fulfilled their potential at this point. But they're also just coming into their third year. And so um, it's – I anticipate that with some of the footwork that Gonzalez has been working with them on and then some of just getting older and wiser and sort of going through a second system and learning that sort of stuff, we're going to see some improvement with those guys too. So um, certainly we'd love to have <laughs> Grimes and Jefferson be starting in the, in the fall, but you know, old miss is contesting Shea Patterson's transfer to Michigan. It sounds like Jefferson's transfer is a little bit more complicated than, than Patterson's. And so if old miss contests that one as well, who knows what's going to end up happening. Yep, yep. Uh, oh, well, anything else before we move on uh, from the spring? Anything no. else you want to see? No, man, just football. <laughs> like I am I'm going to enjoy seeing um, hopefully some fluidity. I know Mullen said that after the last scrimmage, um, you know, or the first scrimmage, that it was just sort of choppy. And that one of the comments he made after the second one was that it seemed it was more – more fluid. Like it, it felt more like a football game rather than just a play and another play and another play. And so, you know, last year it felt like that the whole year <laughs> like when you were watching the <laughs> offense, it was very choppy. Right. So I, I kind of want to see it be fluid and, and be, be smooth and, and snaps coming before the play clock gets down below 10 and those sorts of things. Yep. Uh, so I'll pull some, uh, a lot of people shared their thoughts. So uh, we asked for it uh, as uh, yesterday uh, talking about the podcast and, you know, we always want your input here on Gators breakdown. So uh, we had some followers uh, send their thoughts on what they want to see. Uh, and Brett Timmer, uh, I want to see the new defensive scheme and start to see some of the different ways they were pressure the quarterback talent on the defensive line has been squandered in recent years with an unwillingness to bring pressure from different parts of the field. Uh, yeah. They, and, well, a lot of times in spring games, you do see, hey, there's no blitzing. You can only blitz so many players uh, if you if there is blitzing. So, you know, a lot of the, the offense kind of knows where the blitz is coming from or they know it's it's not a, a very confusing blitz. But I, I'm, I'm along those same lines. I, I want to see this. Uh, you know, I don't want to see it set up so easy for the offense. I want to – hey, look, this is a new defense as well. Man. They're, they're learning uh, what they can do. Yeah. So I say bring the bring the offense full force and bring the defense full force and may the, may the best part of it win. Yeah, you would hope so. I mean, you would hope that they're going to run – a real scheme that's going, this isn't the pro bowl. I mean, the, whole, <laughs> the, whole, the whole point is to learn. And so, you know, I, I would actually prefer that to see them like set some sort of tackling rule where, you know, you, you hit the guy and you don't bring him all the way to the ground or something like that to prevent sprained ankles and stuff like yeah. that before I'd want them to change their schemes. Cause the whole point is, can the quarterback read the schemes? And mm-hmm. Mullen sort of made that point in his, in his last presser where, you know, that there's been sort of a tendency to freeze when they haven't been bringing the house. They're like, Oh, a base <laughs> defense i don't know what to do <laughs> and and so we'll see i mean that'd be great if that's the case because last year it was cover two single high safety four man down line nobody coming on a blitz and we're going to sit in the zone and that, and that was pretty much what the defense looked like a lot of the time and you know you could exploit that over the course of a season or over, or when he came out with adjustments in the second half. And and the defense actually played pretty well last year in spurts, but certainly struggled. And I think some of that struggle was tied to a, uh, a predictability. And so hopefully we don't see that this time. Yeah, hopefully we don't get the kumbaya moment we got last year when they put, you know, Antonio Callaway on a, on a walk-on that would – had no chance at all of keeping up with him and it was an easy touchdown. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that is something that we do need to take into account here is that last year, Felipe Franks played pretty well during the spring game. Two years ago, Luke Del Rio lit it up. Oh and, yeah. You know, it was like what, like 16 to 17 or something yeah, like that. Like 13 was, to 14. And his only incompletion was a, was a smart throw out of bounds or something like that. So. Uh, you know, so, I mean, <laughs> again, one data point, but it does tell us something. I actually think it tells us something more if it's on the negative side than if it's on the positive <laughs> side, probably. Yeah. Uh, Wesley Chamberlain here. I want to see if our linebackers have improved. Excited to see Rayshard Jackson, eventual Miller. Also, offensive line effort and trying to push a defensive line to open up gaps for a running back. So I kind of spoke on that. But, yeah, Rayshard Jackson, Ventro Miller have been two names that have also come up uh, in the linebacker uh, spot. Rayshard Jackson on the inside, kind of taking over for, uh, for Sean Joseph a little bit, who, who, could, who can't seem to put together the consistency. And also Ventro Miller with some big plays. Hey, man, depth. I mean, any sort of depth that Florida can get 
at the linebacker position and the defensive line is important. So, um, you know, again, I, I think uh, I think there's some elite talent on both units, depending upon uh, depending on who you're talking about. But uh, we need to build depth because when somebody makes a mistake, you got to be able to have some, the next man up or somebody gets injured. Yep, two thoughts here. Uh, Will kind of agreeing with you. Billy Tash uh, says simple things in and out of the huddle, no offsides, no false starts, no dumb turnovers, points in the red zone, preferably touchdowns, but points right now will be fine. And from Sean uh, 4844-3219, basic improvement and offensive identity and a sign of an offense that we can build on. I don't expect too much this quick. I just want to see our offense look like they know what they're doing. Positive <laughs> progression. <laughs> Boy, what an indictment of the previous staff. The the fans are basically like, can we not look like we don't know what we're doing? Like, like, like that, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the hurdle to, uh, to go over. I I think when you look at, when you look at recruits, they probably have a higher idea of what they want to see, but uh, for the fan base, we've been beaten down pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Falcons Fury at the South fly gold or South, South Life Gold. I want to see this O line grow a pair. If if you get beat, so be it. But give it all you got when you do it. When you when you do win, finish the play and uh, knock them on the turf. Uh, Blueberry eight seven oh five. I want to see seventy thousand fans. Hashtag pack the swamp uh, at Ultimate Lemons. Good weather, strong fan turnout, something resembling an offense. Physical uh, physical differences. I don't know if you meant defense there. Uh, and I like his number five here. Exposed lies. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know what everybody says about springtime, it, it's lying season, Will. Oh man, well, I mean, you know, that's that's our job is to try to decipher our way through that, and we struggle as much as anybody. But oh, yeah. uh, and I'll tell you what, I want to see. I want to see a personal foul. Like oh, real okay. early. Like I want to see something a little bit chippy. Like, like, let's show this means something to the players. I don't know whether we'll see it, but you know, I just sort of think back to that Oklahoma game for the national championship and the and and the hit on the Oklahoma receiver by what was it, Ama Black oh, out yeah. on the outside. I mean, that sort of set the tone for the entire game. And I don't want to see another hit like that. <laughs> but I would like to see a little bit of chippiness and where, you know, hey, we're gonna take this personally because we've had to listen to all the people talk about four and seven for the last six months and we're gonna show people that it's going to improve. Yeah, so it's a couple uh, thoughts here. Uh, uh, last thoughts here. Uh, Gator Things, a competitive, well-rounded game. Uh, Eric Stroh, energy and a sense of urgency. Kind of spoke, we've spoken to that. Tommy Callahan, O-line and interior defensive line play. Um, uh, Sean Steed, here we go, Will. No play actions on third and long. Oh, come on. <laughs> that, that, that's the, I, I've seen that work like twice. <laughs> Twice. There we go. Uh, all right. So yeah, Will, as you can tell, man, uh, fans, uh, fans are really excited. Uh, we can't wait till we can't we, we can't wait for Saturday to get here. Oh man, you, you aren't kidding. So it's uh, you spend all this time hoping, and sort of the spring game is an is 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 a point where you can start to feel that hope pay off. So, you know, the, the firing of McIlwain and, and struggling through Shannon being the interim, and then you bring in Chip Kelly and then that doesn't work out. <laughs> and then you got Mullen come in. And so then you're sitting there having everybody accuse you of trying to pump up Mullen, even though he doesn't deserve it. But then you're sitting there going, no, I'm looking at the stats. He looks like he should be pretty good. And, uh, you know, and then you got all these guys who are coming to campus who are highly rated, but none of them have really popped yet. And so, you know, what, what, like you, it's just sort of this anticipation, like things aren't perfect yet, but you feel like it could be, and you're so close. And the spring game is sort of one, one more step towards that. You know, if the offense comes out and on both sides, it's just, is just firing. I mean, you know, it, it makes an impact and everybody's going to feel good leaving it. And if the spring game comes out and it looks like more of the same, then everybody leaves with, oh God, the same old stuff. So, um, you know, I, I think more than anything, this is one of those spring games that really does have an impact. I, I've said this before, and as an analytics guy, I don't usually like optics, but in year one, optics matter for Mullen. It has to look different, which has been one of the reasons why Florida fans have embraced him because it's so different just from an attitude perspective than it was under McIlwain. And so hopefully we see that again, just see something different in the spring game. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, when we talk about recruiting, it, uh, it is part of it is hey, a good recruiter is a, a good recruiter. And, that, and that's what most, most of the time what it boils down to, but 
I kind of agree. Optics do matter in year one. There is a lot of negative stigma around the Florida program right now, and it's slowly being built back up uh, under Dan Mullen. So I do think that you know something does have to be shown. Promise has to be shown on offense. And you know, if you're a good recruiter, you you really are a good recruiter. You can use you, you can usually bring those guys in anyway. And I think Mullen was off to a good start. Uh, but you know, starting with this spring game, it, it is time to show some progress on offense with a new coach. Uh, and, and if the optics can change, it will make recruiting just that much easier. Yeah, well, and you have to imagine that the recruits are watching. Yeah. That if the off that if the offense comes out there and looks different, looks competitive, and it's and it's fun, and you know, it doesn't look like the offense is overmatched, or that you know everybody's being coached and you're seeing the progress. Well, then it's like, okay, I'm I feel comfortable committing to that school because a the coach is going to be around for a while. B I think he's got things headed in the right direction, and C I want to be part of building something. But you know. It, it's hard to jump in there and say, hey, I want to be part of building something if the offense comes out and lays an egg. So, um, you know, again, I, th- I think most of the time optics don't matter. You win three to two. Great. You won. You lose you lose two to three. Eh, you lost. But I think in this case, it really does matter. It makes a difference. And and if he can get a couple of big recruits to commit, I also think that starts an avalanche because you get to a point where you've got sort of those Pied Piper guys who are bringing in other people. And he's had so many people on campus who are highly rated that you, you know, you figure that those guys have some relationships. And when one makes a decision, the other ones are going to start to follow. No, well, I don't know why it just popped in my head. It was major Wright Who had to hit versus. Ah, yes. yes. <laughs> of course I screwed it up because I didn't have it written down. <laughs> That's why I got spreadsheets, man. That's why I'm the three-star nerd. <laughs> Still developing. <laughs> oh, okay. And we look, we just hit on recruiting a little bit. Then uh, some big recruiting news over the weekend. Will uh, quarterback Jalen Jones commits three-star quarterback from Baltimore, Maryland, 436th ranked player in the nation, the 10th ranked dual threat quarterback in the nation. He was the seventh verbal commitment for the 2019 class so far for the Gators. Uh, now, Will, there is some more because Jones is a three-star quarterback, and, and there's some reason for that. Now, look, I'm no, I'm no scouting guy and, and recruitnik, uh, and most of the video we have seen on, on these recruits uh, are cut-up highlights so that they are made to look good. But I saw some things I did like. Uh, when he scrambles, he keeps his eyes downfield, looks to throw first or, or even baiting the defense so they aren't coming in uh, at him right away. And, and along those same lines, he throws well on the run. Uh, now his running is his running skill is higher than his passing skill uh, right now, but uh, I'm not you know using that as a slight. Many high school quarterbacks are in that mold, and many successful quarterbacks have come from that mold. Uh, and while he looks pretty ac- pretty accurate, there just aren't many passing attempts to his to his name right now. So he has some camps coming up. He has the Elite Eleven Regionals in Charlotte, and then a rivals camp on April 29th. Uh, and this may be where we can start to see him make an impression and, and getting that rise in rankings. Uh, so many are talking about to be successful in a damn all in offense. I don't think you have to have pinpoint accuracy. I think you just have to be accurate enough. Uh, but how do coaches evaluate that? I, I'm not sure. So, you know, we, we know Dan Mullen has been sold on Jones as Jones was committed previously to Mississippi state while Mullen was there. Uh, so we know Mullen has been a fan of his for, for a good long while. Uh, but as I said, you know, just a second ago, there aren't many stats to point to. Uh, in his junior year, as his team was involved in uh, many blowouts and, and one of the nation's best teams where he led them to a 13-0 and uh, season, he was 67 of 106 uh, passes, and that was 63% completion percentage. So we all know that's a, a high mark for you there. Uh, 1,162 yards with 10 touchdowns, only through one interception, and that was off of a tip pass. Um, rushed for 1,087 yards on 94 carries, and that's nine touchdowns there. Uh, being involved in blowouts, the school ran into a lot of those scenarios uh, uh, with the running backs uh, taking over uh, a lot of the the play. Uh, He was even pulled in some of those games to get other quarterbacks some time. Early in the season, he split time with West Virginia head coach Dana Holgerson's son, Logan. Uh, So Will uh, Jones is a highly rated quarterback right now, but I like what I've seen so far and the prospects of what this guy can become. Yeah, so I think there are a couple things. One is that he is a three-star, but he's 436th overall, according to the 247 composite. 
And so if you look at other, so you got to think about the way stars are ranked. So five stars are usually the top 30 guys or thereabouts in the country. And then from 30 to about 350, 325, 350 is usually your four stars. And then three stars is basically from 350 out past a couple thousand. So, you know, Kyle Trask was up over 2000 in terms of his ranking, but was a composite three star rated quarterback. So if you just count stars, you know, Trask and Jones are similar star ratings, but Jones is the better prospect compared to the two if you look at him and and by you know by a couple thousand people players when you compare when you compare those. So you do need to keep that in mind that 436 is a lot different than 2200 and he's not ranked 2200. With that said, he's a three-star candidate right now. And if you looked at Justin Fields at this time last year, Justin Fields was, you know, consensus I would say at least top 20 in the country. So the idea that Jalen Jones is going to go to some of these camps and all of a sudden be a top 10 player, I don't think that's realistic either. I think he's a very solid player. I think he does some things well. I think there are probably some things he doesn't do well. I haven't had a lot of time to go back and look at the tape. The things I'm impressed with, like you said, the 63% completion percentage, because I think that's important. He also had 11 yards per attempt, which means he's not just doing dump offs, which I think is also important. And the thing I really think is interesting is that he averages 11.6 yards per rush. So you, you look at that and say, oh, he ran for 1,087 yards um, in, in his junior year in high school. And you get, hey, you know, that's not that much. And then you go 94 carries. Mm-hmm. So he, he, he averaged more yards per rush than he did yards per pass attempt. So I think when you're, when you're thinking about Jones and his, and his strengths and maybe an area where, you know, star rating sort of projecting to the next level. And is this guy, you know, an elite quarterback, those sorts of things, a lot of times go back to the physical skills. And if you're looking at arm strength and things like that, again, I don't know because I haven't had enough time to look at the tape, but you know, you can imagine someone who maybe struggles with footwork or struggles with arm strength or something like that being a lower rated prospect, but you look at his ability to run and go, wow. And I sort of look at it and say, anybody who averages 12 yards per rush is probably pretty athletic. And so I think that's what we can expect coming in as somebody who's going to be able to make a difference with his legs. Um, certainly uh, add a dimension to the offense if you wanted to use him back there. And and maybe even has a future not at quarterback, depending upon how good Emory Jones or Felipe Franks or Kyle Trask are. Because if he comes in next year as a recruit and there's an incumbent who's played really well, it's going to be a while before he plays. Yeah, Henry Russell, Jones' coach at St. Francis, uh, told Catherine Dunn of the Baltimore Sun, Jones' uh, varied skill set makes him a good fit for Mullen's style of offense. Quote, Dan uses the quarterback in a lot of different ways, both running the ball and throwing the ball, just putting the quarterback in positions to make plays and put pressure on the defense. And that's what Jalen does best, Russell said. He runs extremely well. He's got great speed and vision. He also does a nice job in the passing game. He's very accurate. He only threw one interception last season, and that deflected off a receiver off a receiver's hands. End quote. Now, as I said, you know, I'm not film buff or anything. I can you know look at and you know just kind of see what you know, the basics of things and uh, anything of that nature. But I did, I did notice that he has a tendency to push the ball uh, in some of his throws. Uh, but you know, I take mechanics as kind of an afterthought uh, for how some of these high school guys because there is time to, to get that fixed with, with good coaching, uh, especially if you can come in and, and be redshirted and, and have time to work uh, with Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson and uh, and the like there. So I think there's a lot of like a lot to like here. Uh, you know, like I say, we'll see what happens when he goes through this camp circuit, as you said, well, he's not expected big jump. You know, Justin Fields had that, had that huge jump, um, uh, after he went through the camp circuit and uh, all that good stuff. So we'll see what, what happens in the camp circuit. And when he, uh, you know, maybe this coming up season, he gets to play and he didn't get to pad his stats a lot. As I mentioned, you know, they didn't keep him in games to, to pad his stats. He probably could have had some better stats there if, if the coaches just wanted to sling it all over the field. But, uh, you know, hopefully those two things with the camp circuit coming up, uh, and, and the season coming up, we get to see more of Jones. Yeah, I, th- I think that, I mean, I-, I think we just need to see more of him, right? I mean, you look at 106 attempts his junior year as a quarterback, it's just not that many throws. And 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 certainly as high school was blowing people out, I think they finished number three nationally. Is that what you said? So, yeah, three um, or four. You know, 
Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, the team was outstanding. So you're playing, you're you're playing a team from down the road, and you're just mauling them, and it's fifty to nothing at the half. And and you know, how much do you really learn from that sort of thing? And and uh, but you know, 106 attempts, we have more film on Kyle Trask from high school <laughs> than we than we do on Jalen Jones. I think that again, I, I said this a couple of weeks ago that when I was when I was trying to evaluate Trask, it was just you know, where do you find the passes? Like, can you find what he does well and doesn't? Because you're sort of searching for tape rather than saying hey i've got 500 throws to pick from let's let's watch you know a couple hundred of them and see and see what's representative and so um you know i can understand why people would have trouble evaluating him i think certainly the camps will give people an opportunity to do that i do think the the indication from the rushing um, statistics indicate that he's pretty explosive which i think is something that they will definitely see in the camps you know if he goes up a hundred spots he's a four-star no one says anything about it so you know but and and really the other thing is, is that we we both preach stars matter. Bill preaches stars matter, and they do in aggregate. It doesn't mean that a three star player can't be fantastic. I mean, right. you know, Jared Davis was a three star linebacker and wound up a first round pick in the NFL. I mean, he was an outstanding player and was probably undervalued coming out of high school. And and the same thing could be happening here. So I don't ever look at one individual star rating and say, oh, I don't want that guy because he's a two star or a three star. Right. What we want to do is look at the aggregate and say, hey. Overall, if you have more four and five stars, more blue chip guys, more top 100 guys, you're, they're less likely to wash out. They're more likely to really perform. And if you can only bring in 25 people, you need more of them to pan out so that you can have an elite team. And that's really all we're saying. So, you know, I'm never going to look at one guy's star rating and say, oh, you know, he's not going to be successful because he's a three or he would be because he's a four. I think you look at the entire package, you look at the completion percentage, you look at the running ability, and you look at how he fits within the offense, and that does make a difference. And then, you know, also, there's not a huge difference between 350 and, and 450, and so I don't think we should be making a, a big deal three-star, four-star in this case. Yeah, it's fixed to say, you know, if we go back, he was 67 of 106 uh, in passing attempts for a 63% completion percentage. Um, you know, 1,162 yards passing, 10 touchdowns, one interception, and also rushed for 1,087 yards on 94 carries uh, and nine touchdowns there. So when I went back and did, looked at Will, so it was average eight passes a game, seven runs a game. So basically only responsible for 15 plays a game on average. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because over the weekend, Sam Howell committed to Florida State. and He's a four-star, ranked 152 overall. And so that was sort of a Twitter battle between Gator and Noles fans. <laughs> but, you know, if you, if you told me to look at Howell's profile, he threw a whole lot more passes. So he threw 382 passes last year, but he only completed 58.9% of the passes, and he averaged 8.8 .8 yards per attempt. And he ran for 1,594 yards but that was 230 carries. So we only averaged 6.9 yards per attempt. So I'm not saying that Howell is better or worse than Jones. I'm saying though on a rate basis, Jones was considerably better. It's just, a, it's, it seems like, I mean, you know, Howell got to throw three times as many passes. And so if you gave Jones three times as many passes, would he remain as efficient or as he as he throws 200 more balls, would he become less efficient just because he's getting more opportunity? You know, yeah. you throw a 190 yard pass and and it pads you, and, it, and it increases your yards per attempt when you only throw 100 balls. Um, so you know, I don't know. I, I I again, I haven't looked at the film. I think you look at the stats and you say, okay, this tells me something about the player. And then you go and you look at the film and you say, okay, this tells me something about the player. Um, but I think anybody saying, oh, Howell is a definite can't miss prospect and Jones is not, or that Jones is better than his ranking and that Howell should be ranked lower, I, I, you can't make that determination right now i don't think um but i do think we have a lot more data on somebody like howell and as we get more data on jones we'll know a lot more about what florida has yeah we went out that we were kind of speaking behind the scenes uh, in a private message but uh what do you what do you i think your least favorite terms you told me is system fit so you know we'll kind of see uh, how this goes but you know jones does look like a system fit for dan mullen well, you know, the reason I say that is because when you say system fit, it feels like it's making an excuse for the fact that you didn't get the guy you wanted. <laughs> and that is one thing I think we should say here is that it's pretty clear Mullen got the guy he wanted. Yeah. Like th this isn't settling for a three-star prospect in in February because you missed on the three, four stars you were looking at. This is a guy that he recruited while he was at Mississippi State. And now he's recruited since he came to Florida and he's made a priority. And so clearly he sees something here that, that, uh, 
that he thinks he can use. Now, whether it's the running ability and he sort of envisions a scenario where, you know, Jones is going to maybe even take on a Tony role where, where he's, where he's doing more wide receiver type of stuff. You know, I, I just don't know. Again, it's, it's, it's early and I, and I don't know that we need to get all up in arms about it, but um, yeah, usually I hate that term system because it means you missed on the guy you wanted, but again, that's not the case here. All right, so we'll go into your article, your latest on readreaction.com, continuing the quarterback talk, and we know this Florida spring game is this weekend, but there's another spring game that you said you'll have your eye on, uh, and if we don't see what we want to see out of this Gator spring game and something happens at this spring game, uh, but Joe Burrow, uh, you're a big fan of his, uh, especially when compared to the, the current quarterbacks Florida has on their roster. Ohio State also has their spring game this Saturday, and Urban Meyer has discussed with Burrow that if he decides to go with Dwayne Haskins, then he could or he would help Burrow out and let him know of the decision to start another quarterback. And so that could lead Burrow to transfer away from Ohio State as a grad transfer. And Florida has been mentioned as a potential landing spot uh, for him. I've heard Cincinnati and Nebraska as other spots as well. Cincinnati because of Luke Fickle and uh, you know, his time at Ohio State uh, being an assistant there. And Nebraska because his dad played there. Uh, but that is within the conference. And Ohio State and Nebraska play each other this year. So that could uh, hamper that uh, there. So, Will, you know, you had to, you watched the film on him. You made a case for him if he was to transfer uh, to Florida, why he would be a good fit for Dan Mullen and Dan Mullen's offense. Yeah, so it started out, I had somebody ask me, they private messaged me and asked me whether Burrow might be a good fit. My initial indication was, no, I think if Mullen's going for a grad transfer, that's a problem. And and part of that is the history of Florida with grad transfers the last couple of years with Malik Zaire and, and Austin Appleby. And to be honest, Appleby actually acquitted himself quite well. He was just almost exactly the quarterback that we saw at Purdue before he came over. And Zaire never really got a shot last year. Now, you can you can debate whether that was because he couldn't pick up the offense or whether it's because the offense was stupid. But <laughs> but, but Zaire, Zaire had some issues when he, when he came here. I think that was pretty clear. And so, um, you know, part of it was square peg and round hole. Part of it was Zaire didn't have a very impressive um, – he had a couple of decent games. But, you know, you looked at his high school completion percentage, it was low. You looked at his college completion percentage. It was right where you would expect it from where he was in high school. I know I talk about that a lot. I harp about it a lot. I really believe it makes a difference. And that's when I looked at Burroughs' stats and went, oh, okay, we need to take a deeper look. So he threw for 4,445 yards his senior year in high school, completed 72.3% of his passes, averaged 12.8 yards per attempt, threw 63 touchdowns and two interceptions. 63 touchdowns. <laughs> 63 touchdowns. Like, but two picks, right? Yeah. So he's not making a lot of mistakes. He's completing 70% of his balls. And then you go and say, okay, well, what did he do his junior year? Well, he threw for 3,732 yards, 71.2 complete per completion percentage, 12.2 yards per attempt, 47 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. I mean, seven interceptions, Dave. How could he possibly live with himself? <laughs> um, you know, so you look at it and say his sophomore year, he even completed 62.2% of his passes. So, you know, a really young guy in the system was showing decent completion percentages, like completion percentages that we would look at as, uh, I mean, higher than Emory Jones and pretty much on par with Jalen Jones coming into Florida, way higher than Felipe Franks. So he's showing that his sophomore year, and then it just goes up and up and up. And he's shown the same thing since he got to Ohio State. He is – he is um, He's 22 of 28, his redshirt freshman season, then seven of 11, his redshirt sophomore season. So not a ton of, not a ton of throws, but again, he's completing 74.4% of his passes while he's at Ohio State. And when you look at the tape, he's throwing to guys who are open. So he's making the right read, and then he's throwing to the guy who's in one-on-one -on -one coverage. And so when you get the guy in one-on-one -on -one coverage, if your receiver wins, he's open. And so one of the things that you noticed last year, there were a lot of throws that would be made where, hey, there's two defensive backs back there or the guy's covered or where he, he hasn't settled in the right area of the zone or, or whatever was going on. And, and a lot of times that was just a read that was missed where you didn't go, with the right, go, to the right, go to the right place based on the defense. And 
you know, Burrow does not have the strongest arm out of the guys on Ohio State, which is one of the reasons I think he's going to probably not get the job is you've got Haskins, who was 91st nationally. Um, you've got uh, Tate Martell, who was even higher than that. I think he was 40-something nationally. Um, both guys, high-level four-star guys, um, both have stronger arms, both have similar run skills. I think Haskins has even better run skills than Burrow does. Um, so you can envision Urban Meyer looking at it and saying, I got these younger guys. I can develop with them. Um, the, the separation is relatively minimal. Why would I put the redshirt junior in when I've got the, uh, when I got the redshirt sophomore or when I've got the redshirt freshman who can, who can come in and play? So, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, certainly – he can he can he can be a graduate transfer at this point. He'd have two years of eligibility left, so it's not one of these one and done things like it was with Zaire or with Appleby. Um, I think they have more. I think he has more ability than those guys, to be quite honest. And uh, you know, based on the profile of what I look for in a quarterback, and again, this is my personal opinion, but for what I look for in a quarterback, this guy could be an elite quarterback in college football. And I think those are the types types of guys you want to go after. Yeah, you know, and, you know, to harp back on last year, I was against bringing in the grad transfer, I believe, that year because of just I didn't think he would fit in what Michael went, and that's my one to do. This one I would be for. Uh, he being from an Urban Meyer system, very similar to what Dan Mullen does, of course. Uh, it's more of a plug and play. He could, you know, the terminology is probably very similar as well. There would not be a learning curve. I think he could step in day one on campus and, and be the best quarterback on the roster given the familiarity he would have with the offense. So I think, you know, there's a, there's some, uh, some of the part of the fan base that is against bringing in another grad transfer because they also believe it could stunt the growth of, of another quarterback. But what this would lead you to do, and we talked about it last week is if they felt like it was best to redshirt Emory Jones and they would not have to, you know, bring him in on third and short, fourth to short situation because of his running ability, uh, you would have a, a Burrow who, who could, run this offense and, and another thing will uh, i saw in some of the uh highlights you posted there is i think in the ohio state michigan game it was a one score game and he's in the game uh playing so not everything he he, he has done has been in, in mop-up duty there are some points uh, of the season where he had to be in in crunch time of games well, that was actually Haskins who was in against Michigan last year. Oh, so, okay, okay. Um, so the the clips in there were sort of showing the difference between Burrow and Haskins. And Haskins has way more physical skill when you look at it, but he also almost got his receiver killed at one point <laughs> in the game against Michigan. Um, now, most of the games that Burrow was in were blowouts, and so we do need to take that into account. Okay, but you, you know, you you go back and you, the whole point of the article was not necessarily to say that that Joe Burrow is going to be the Florida quarterback because I don't know what's going through his head. He might win the yeah. Ohio State job because. Yeah. Because quite honestly, based on what I saw, I think he'd be a pretty good quarterback for Ohio State. But there's other talent there. He certainly talked about transferring or at least has talked it over with Meyer. Meyer and Mullen are friends, you would think. And then within the, within the from the standpoint of just like getting him out of the Big Ten, right. um, you know, are you going to let him go to Nebraska? I mean, you know, they're... I don't know what the rules are for grad transfers. Can you can you restrict where you go? I should know yes. this. Yeah. But yes. you know, are you gonna let him stay within the Big Ten? Like I don't necessarily see that happening. Nope. And so um, you know, but but more than anything, it's again, I my my problem with Zaire wasn't necessarily that he didn't fit within the offense. I mean, that was one of them. But my problem with Zaire was you looked at high school, he had fifty six point six percent completion percentage and fifty-eight point four in college. And so you looked at Appleby, it was the same thing. His quarterback rating was like 110 or 115 at Purdue. It was just, you knew what you were getting, and it was, it, it, to me, it was more important that you just see what you have with Felipe Franks or Kyle Trask last year than it was you bring in a guy who's going to, at best, be average. And I think the ceiling for somebody like Burrow is much, 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 much higher than the ceiling was for Zaire or Appleby. And that's that's the reason you consider taking in a grad transfer is if the ceiling is higher. So there may be some other grad transfer out there that I don't know about that isn't as high profile that would have that same profile. And if he does, I don't think it's necessarily an indictment of Franks or Trask or the other quarterbacks on the roster if you bring someone like that in. Now, if you bring in somebody who's got the profile of Zaire or Appleby and, and say, that guy's going to be your starter, well, then we got to start to worry. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think uh, if you have the opportunity to bring in an elite guy for a couple of years, like you said, you can redshirt some of the younger guys. Um, and quite honestly, more competition throughout the roster is a positive thing. And so if you, and you've got the scholarship spots and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, more competition is a good thing. 
Mullen has been saying competition, competition, competition. I want to see it if we get the opportunity to see this guy. Yeah, it would be awesome. It would be awesome. We'll, uh, we did it again. It was a good one. <laughs> hey, man, you, you get me talking about completion percentage, and I won't shut up. So <laughs> That's pretty much the first question people ask me about Jalen Jones on Twitter the minute he committed it. So, hey, what's his completion percentage? I'm like, yeah, I'm doing stuff with my kids this weekend. Uh, I'll see if I can get to that. So uh, luckily, Bill helped us out and got us a lot of that information. So. Absolutely. Um, that's right, folks. So remember this Saturday, hashtag pack the swamp. Let's get the swamp rocking for the spring game. Orange and blue debut. Dan Mullins first. Uh, he wants the fans there. Uh, it's going to be a good time, be a fun time. Uh, we get to see these Gators on the field. And just a reminder, Will and I will uh, have an episode Saturday night to kind of recap the spring game. You know, won't be a lot of time to to watch film and, and what happened here and there. Uh, but we'll give kind of our initial reactions, uh, recap of the spring game. So we'll definitely look forward to that one. Yeah, man, it'll be fun. And we'll follow up with, with more detailed film stuff after that, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, I'll, but be in, uh, just, I'll be in Disney the next week with the, with the family. So. Well, so are you, are you going to be posting the matching shirts on, uh, on Twitter for everybody to see? Like, are, uh, I mean, you got a little girl, man. So are you like taking her to the princess castle and getting we, her all made up and all that sort yes, of stuff? Yes, we are doing all the uh, bippity-boppity-boutique and all that good stuff. So, uh, so we, how, much do I, how much do I need to pay your wife to get like pictures of you with earrings on or something? <laughs> That, that will happen. The match insurance is about as the, the extent as it will go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look forward to seeing it and giving you a hard time, man, because there's there's nothing better than going to Disney with your daughter, but uh, there's nothing more embarrassing either. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, it, It'll be a good time. It'll be a good time. But uh, I won't uh... – I won't be sharing too many of the. Uh, I think we only have one matching shirt. I think one matching shirt. I think. So I, I, had, to, I had to limit it somewhere. <laughs> you, you, you just need like a sweatshirt, man. Like pull pull a sweatshirt over the whole day. Like it's cold out. It's ninety degrees. It's cold. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. remember. Oh well, well. Well, what you got coming up next on Read Reaction? You got anything for spring coming up, or just uh, laying low for the rest of the week? Now, probably laying low for the rest of the week, and then you know, you and I will be talking Saturday night, and then um, there will be some film stuff up after that. So we'll be taking a closer look at what's going on during the game, and uh, and sort of my impressions of what I saw, and and what it means, and and what it doesn't mean. There we go. So look for that on readandreaction.com uh, from Will Miles. Remember, you can find Gators Breakdown on newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You can also find Will on Twitter at Will Miles SEC and his articles at readandreaction.com. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.